0: Do you know where the strawberries you just purchased from Publix were grown? Or what about those dozen eggs you picked up at Kroger? There's nothing wrong with shopping at large grocery chains. Oftentimes, they're the cheapest and most accessible option. But what if you could get fresh groceries like produce, meat, milk, and more from local farmers without having to venture out to the farmer's market? Turns out, you can. Our guest today is Zach Harrison, founder of Fresh Harvest. Fresh Harvest is the farmer's market you've been looking for online and delivered to your door. All right, Zach, welcome in. Appreciate you taking the time today to, uh, to join us. I would love to hear, you know, to start off when, when you bump into somebody on the, on the street and they say, all right, Zach, what, what is it that you do? What's your, <laughs> what's your short abbreviated uh, answer to that question?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, definitely thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Um, So the the short version is, and kind of the elevator pitch, as they would call it, is um, we at Fresh Harvest, we partner with local organic farmers um, and we deliver their produce mostly, but also their uh, other grocery items or meat or milk or eggs um, straight to individuals' homes. So it's kind of like the, local farmers market in Atlanta, but then brought to you. Um, And so working with those same growers and then, um, but just expanding their markets and delivering that to people's homes, trying to make it convenient to eat healthy.
0: It's awesome. And I, I love the local aspect of that as well. And definitely want to dive into that. But first, Zach, let's talk about sort of what brought you to the the point of your life where fresh harvest becomes a thing where where did you grow up and what did you think that a career was going to look like when you were kind of coming up through school and where were you sort of aiming yourself
1: yeah no that's a great question um and like everybody I probably have a long drawn out version that gets that like (laughs) dives way deep and then also have the version that's like oh these two things happened and that was kind of you know, what propelled this to to being actual real life. Um, the, yeah. the two things version is basically I um, always appreciated food growing up. My grandparents had a big garden in their backyard and that was part of my uh, summer sort of chores was um, when I would go to their house helping uh, take care of the garden and being around it and, um, you know, just seeing that and getting, getting my hands dirty from an early age in that, um, environment. But then I, you know, tried to, uh, be a professional. My hands are, um, doing air quotes right now. Um, professional musician there for a little bit. Um, and, uh, and had some cool opportunities, did that for several years. And then upon kind of the conclusion, as you can put it kindly of that, dream or phase of life, um, I went on this exploratory, go find yourself uh, discovery trip, um, which more specifically looked like driving a motorcycle around the country with a buddy of mine. And on that trip, um, I landed on an organic farm in California, right on the coast, most picturesque kind of situation you can imagine, um, for a couple of days. Actually, for the first time in my, uh, that phase of life, like kind of reconnected with that value system. Like, man, I want to, I want to do something like this and thought I might, you know, be a actual real farmer. I didn't know, but I knew that situation had kind of changed things uh, for me. And then upon coming back to Atlanta, um, I in the whole debate of man, do I, do I go into farming in some sort of way and just, you know, go learn from some people who know what they're doing or do I, uh, you know, potentially do something else along the lines of, uh, business, but in local food connection, um, that's kind of where fresh harvest came from. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely like this specific moment, this one kind of, meal that sort of convinced me,
0: um, or was like a turning point for me. Oh, that's cool that you can trace it back to that. Um, did, so did you grow up kind of around Atlanta?
1: Yeah, I did. I grew up in Lawrenceville, um, for the first part of, um, like my kid life and then, um, some formative years out in Monroe close to Athens. So, um, yeah, I was very much, you
0: know, born and raised here sure we were we were a stone's throw away i grew up uh, here in Lilburn, so not too far away sure. but uh yeah, yeah no, that what was it uh, what was it you know you said it, it's kind of that experience and and even that meal but what were the what were the intricacies of that experience you had in california zach that made you just feel like okay this is different than what i'm used to and this is something that i want to either you know spend my my time on or i want to introduce more people to what were the what were the intricacies of that that really kind of sucked you in
1: yeah i think it was like just feeling very very uh rooted is such a cliche word but connected um in that moment so the the reason i ended up on that farm specifically is my my cousin worked there um and it was like man we need a place to stop you know we don't we don't have the next campsite lined up or the next, you know, place to rest our weary traveler heads, you know? So we were, <laughs> um, we were talking with people about where we're going to head next. He's like, man, you should come by for a visit. Y'all can stay at our place. We literally, um, my buddy and I, we literally slept in this um, kind of, like you can't even stand up in it, small little shack. They called it the love shack for, I'm sure obvious reasons, but, but, uh, so they put these two, you know, dirty motorcycle riding dudes in the love shack. And then they um, said, Hey, let's go, let's go harvest our own stuff for, for dinner. We're going to have dinner. And so we, we had brought, um, a few like little fixings and then we made our own bread and then we harvested the rest from, uh, just the farm that evening and so it was like the connection with the pe- people the connection with that really beautiful place called slide ranch you ought to look it up sometime um and then um the connection to just just food in that moment and it was about more than the food it was definitely you know was, there's was a table of probably uh 10 or 12 of us sitting around we'd never met each other obviously other than my cousin so um just feeling like oh the reason we are here and connecting and having a great time over from Sierra Nevadas um uh, was uh was the food was that kind of table connection so so that is what sort of made me think a little more deeply about oh huh, what's going on here
0: it all started in the love shack out in california huh the that love shack man <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. that's a great beginning Could of the story that's sometimes. just the icebreaker you need you know to get to get things working in the right direction that's I also, awesome i don't know
1: if i've ever included that the love shack
0: <laughs> element in.
1: not that i've done many interviews but yeah this, yeah I, I don't think i've ever told anybody that so yeah. casey you're the, the guy who went with me he's the only other person that knows about the love shack um, until
0: now but, yeah, <laughs> until, until now yeah that's great well zach so you have this experience, um, which sounds incredible, by the way. I I, I do need to look up that uh, the Slide Ranch for sure. But you get back to Atlanta, and you talked about okay, what? How does that manifest itself, and what you start researching, what you start looking into, or um, the things that interest you? What what you get back, and you you jump on Google, and what are the next steps you take to start kind of figuring out how to how to Uh, replicate that feeling or that experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super fortunate to have um, a dad who has done this. He's kind of a serial entrepreneur. He started businesses before. Um, So Hmm. I think um, a huge advantage and a huge resource, he's still very much involved in Fresh Harvest, um, but was, okay, um, how, how do we do this? And he had actually been, talking with another friend of his friend of mine about like man how can we do uh some food delivery you know this was at the time before not it was that long ago but i mean before amazon fresh before food like people thought of food delivery as schwann's you know whatever that Mm. uh place was called that used to before the internet was really used (laughs) widely like schwann's was delivering Um,
0: yeah, and so that. Do, that you remember, really do you remember? Do you remember Webvan at all? Webvan. Oh yeah, web for like a hot minute.
1: Back in oh, the day. Oh for sure, and if you look at yeah. the, the reports on Webvan and like the recaps of, oh that's that's a tragic, you know, mm. story. Of course, didn't work. Yeah. Um, but the thought was okay, because in you know to their credit, it was like, hey, can we do this efficiently in Atlanta? Just just food delivery, and so then when I sort of entered the picture this hadn't started yet fresh Habit harvest hadn't started yet um but i was coming back to kind of this thing that was in the incubator phase of hmm. um could we do could we do food delivery um and so then when i kind of joined the picture um this was before any deliveries before we had fully landed on what the model was going to be the the piece that i um you know, kind of started talking about was, well, how do we do this in sync with, um, with supporting local farms? I think that could be our, uh, you know, a big difference maker for us and something that kind of separates us. And so but but we didn't know any farmers. We didn't have any connections. You know, I had never even run a farmer's market stand for somebody, you know, and so, um, we were building those relationships from the ground up and, uh, you know, when you don't have very many deliveries going out the door, it's harder to convince somebody to uh, really partner with you and uh, yeah. understand. It. No, I promise, I really am going to pay for those carrots, and you know, <laughs> when we can pick them up. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, that, 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 that chicken, chicken or the really egg big.
0: of uh, that chicken or the egg of what comes first, the farmer or the the delivery service? I guess of you know, for sure. Yeah. Do do you have to build a platform first that you can prove well to do that you sort of need inventory right so that's mm-hmm. that's tough how did you guys ultimately iron that out
1: yeah so i think we had the um the business model idea first and then we started seeking out customers you know friends of our moms and things like that um that would actually uh you know want to and give us a try give the service a try and so we didn't have a ton of options available. It wasn't what it is now as far as like being able to customize things and stuff. But we basically said, hey, if we brought some, some general produce to your house, would you want it? And then as we um, built up our customer base, albeit very slowly, as we built that up, then we, we kind of built the farmer relationships um, on, on the back of that uh, alongside it. Um, but for sure, when we first started out, the high the percentage of our produce that was locally grown was low um, just because we had to build up the supplier base you know so now, a really key metric for us at fresh harvest is you know our the cost of our goods what we 're spending our money on as far as what 's going in baskets we we really want that to be at least eighty percent um, every year, so as we hopefully you know as we grow and bring on new customers that want to try the service are we also um, keeping in touch with our values and making sure we're, we're growing our farmer relationships and bringing new folks on as well so, which has just been the coolest part um, for like the day-to-day of my job anyway
0: yeah I was gonna ask you dive into that a little bit about what initial reactions from from farmers were as you guys are reaching out and and sort of pitching this idea were they excited optimistic pessimistic maybe a little bit of of all those things what was the what was the initial the initial word that you're getting back
1: yeah, um, I think the initial word because nobody knew who we were obviously understandably and we didn't have that many customers. So there was skepticism. I wouldn't say it was ne- like negativity, but it was skepticism. Um, and cause I'm sure people had tried different versions before. Right. And so to the system of, Hey, we deliver to restaurants and that's really reliable. And Hey, we set up at farmer's markets and that's really reliable. And Hey, we have our own CSA and that's really reliable. So they were kind of, I'm sure wondering, is this going to compete with any of those outlets? If it it were even big enough to consider, which at the time it wasn't like, but are you guys trying to compete with us or what? And what we had to show over time is we aren't trying to compete at all. We're never going to set up at a farmer's market and try to get people to sign up for fresh harvest. You know, that would be uh, pulling business potentially away from uh, the farmers selling there that day, you know, Um, which they are, they are, we're dependent on them. They are what makes fresh harvest unique, you know? Um, and so, so it was, it was slow going at first. Um, but you know, a couple, one, literally two farms start saying, yeah, we'll do that. Um, we'll sell some to you. How much do you need? Um, and you know, when do you need it? How does this work? What do you pay for it? All that kind of stuff. Once you set that up a little bit, then Um, you can kind of use those as you know kind of general examples uh, as you talk to other folks because farmers obviously know each other and their friends work alongside each other at the markets each week sure
0: yeah and i'm sure you know like any relationship just kind of the more the more exposure and the more time you have around that community the more uh you know trust and um you know, maybe street cred isn't the right word, but, you know, credibility for sure. Um, as you start to, you know, you get those testimonials from those first couple of farmers that can, you know, deliver the message of who you guys are and what you guys do from an outsider's perspective that, you know, doesn't have the, <laughs> the same, um, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, propaganda <laughs> type spin yeah. to it. So, yeah, that, I'm sure that was super important. What uh? What about the the piece of getting the word out to consumers? How did you guys start to do that? What were you, what was your early strategy to sort of educate educate the market about what you guys were doing?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I mean, we tried anything and everything at first, but it was like trying to really think back to the to the good old days. I think it was we always kind of figured, hey, if we're doing something, you know sustainable and that's uh if we're doing a good job basically to put it simply then our customers are going to to some degree tell their friends Um, and so that was one thing we really banked on like we spent a lot of our time and our advertising budget per se on just keeping current customers as happy as we could Um, but then outside of that there was there's a couple of different ways. I mean, we would set up at office buildings and on there like earth week kind of, uh, not fair, but like the, 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 when you could actually do that and people would set up the booths at the office building and they come down and check out the whatever, whatever people. And, you know, they, they actually supply the fruit that's in our office basket, you know, that you guys, um, pull from every week and so um we we built some partnerships there with different and now we just call them co-ops so different offices and gyms and things like that like those were the the first things we did was setting up tables and trying to get in front of people that seemed like they might care that was I mean semi-effective you know um and but then if one of the next things we did and this is like it was really core, um, to building out the early fresh harvest routes. Um, but we don't do much of it, uh, or really any of it now. It was, um, we would canvas certain neighborhoods and try to our best to like not be the stereotypical people that would knock on your door. Um, (laughs) and so, so doing that in a humble way and not a salesy way was honestly one of the more effective things we found because, we really needed people in certain areas, in certain pockets, um, to, to sign up, to make it efficient, you know, um, yeah. because our first week ever of deliveries was 43 deliveries, but it was all over the place. And so it just took forever. So you kind of had to build some density. And, um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, You got to build that that momentum in a, in a focused area, right. To make it sustainable for you guys on what I'm sure was a small team at the time um, to, to be able to meet that demand. So that's interesting. Um, So that's, I'm sure your team on first week of deliveries uh, looks, looked a lot different than what your team is now. Tell me about that that first initial, you know, group of deliveries or the, even those first initial few months for you, was it, um, was it what you thought it would be? Were you surprised by, um, you know, market demand interaction with farmers? What were those first few months like for you?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, so there was just, it was two of us. Uh, another guy named Philip, who helped start Fresh Harvest um, and myself. And yeah. so in, man, it was, no it was none of the, it was none of the fun stuff honestly i mean it was um like there wasn't any aha moment where we had this great idea that really worked there wasn't um you know one pop of customer demand because somebody told a hundred of their friends magically there wasn't any of that um it was it was slow going we were sharing cooler space um in order to keep costs down and so we were literally just standing in a cooler with you know a couple boxes of each item that we were going to pack in the orders each week and or each day that week and um you know dividing it up based on what people had had ordered and then putting it in one truck that wasn't very full and driving it around that, and that was month.
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so, so no there wasn't any it was it was a lot of work and it was a lot of like Okay, how do we brainstorming you know how do we get better? how do we find more customers and but when when you aren't even paying the bills the only thing is all right, how do we make it to how do we get more right. customers so that we can make it to the next round of paying for this thing and then the next round of paying for that thing and so um no it, it what it definitely wouldn't uh, dreamy in any sort of way <laughs> <laughs> yeah pounding the pavement people, smarter and, people uh, probably have better ideas that really take <laughs> off quick but not not me.
0: that's that's not typically been our experience here on this show <laughs> so yeah. yeah you're in yeah. good company in that regard um, now you already kind of alluded to there was no you know magic bullet but how long was it before you sort of were able to look up and realize all right we've got a sustainable business that is operating in a way that you know we feel really good about our ability to to scale and grow this thing what was it a year was it you know a couple months how long was it before you really felt like you had your feet underneath you
1: um so i felt like we had our feet underneath us earlier than this but it wasn't until three years in that we felt like, okay, this is um, sustainable from a financial standpoint, um, mm. and this is naturally uh, just incurring more customers because, of, hey, we think we're providing a product that is is going to be able to to spread and be remarkable per se. Um, you know, if you read Seth Godin books and stuff like that, the people. Yeah. Do people tell other people, you know? And so, um, you know, it was uphill battle for uh, the first few years, for sure. And that's not like it was all bad news for the first three years, uh, but it was, uh, you know, coming in every day to kind of keep pushing them all up the hill for sure. Right. Um, yeah. And there's a the piece hostile. of
0: that, that, you know, I think the folks who, survive in the entrepreneurial world are the folks that, um, you know, Gary Vee says a lot, enjoy the journey, you know? So even if that is like you said, if it's three years before you get to a point of, all right, like I feel like this is a long-term thing that's sustainable and that we can really, you know, just continue to continue to, um, you know, replicate and scale. By the way, three yeah. years, props, you know, props to you guys for persevering that that long to, to get to that point in realization. Cause I do think, you know, I, I don't know what the exact statistic is, but you hear a lot of folks say that ninety percent of small businesses fail within three years. Um, it's oh, yeah. like sixty percent fail within a year. It's something crazy like that. So for you guys to get to that that point and, and persevere there is is awesome. That's a testament. To you guys patience level and the belief that you had in the, in the product that you were offering so props there but uh,
1: yeah I transition three year yeah, mark go ahead is interesting, yeah. no I, I, sorry I, I do think that three year mark is an interesting one just based on uh, what I've seen with other not that I am an expert at all but just what I've seen with other people at least in our connections and world of businesses um, it, it usually takes takes longer than you think and there's something yeah. about getting to that point where um yeah not for sure it doesn't become easy at that point but you kind of you tend to see uh, a little more stability
0: yeah you're right and the the luster and the excitement of a baby startup is kind of gone so oh, <laughs> you yeah. you have that reality pill of okay like hopes and dreams can fuel you for the first you know little stretch but there's a certain point where the rubber meets the road and you, you know, you got to figure out what you're doing. If what you're doing is sustainable, we're, we're kind of in that boat right now. We're in starting year four um, as a, as a video production company and same deal. It's like the first couple of years, any type of growth is exciting, right? Whether you're starting from the, the basement floor or whether, you know, you start off, with a a good amount of momentum, any type of growth is exciting and can kind of get you to the next day. But the the looking at, um, you know, bank statements and, and credit card bills in year three is a different experience than it is in year one, I think. Um, But anyhow, that was a rabbit trail, but I I, I feel
1: you. I feel you. I'll
0: just say that. Yes. Yes. Seconded. Um, Awesome. So tell me, Zach, for folks who haven't interacted with you guys' platform, uh, tell me about when I go to Fresh Harvest today for those who haven't um, had the opportunity to to work with you guys, what the experience is like and, and a little bit about um, kind of the process of just diving into you guys' platform and what that looks like.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So hopefully what people feel from when they first land on our website homepage is Fresh Harvest is a as we call it, an ethical food hub, or it is a group of growers and um, artisans that make up this service. So um, hopefully what people sense is, hey, I've kind of virtually walked into the farmer's market. You know, when you think of I'm going to the farmer's market, you're not buying from the farmer's market or the, the title, you know, above, on the banner when you walk in, you're, you're buying from those individual growers. And so, I mean, Fresh Harvest is a, a private company, you know, that we don't own the farms that we work with by any means. Um, but we, we attempt and really strive to, to be the connecting point and to be kind of the hand, handoff from the grower to the person who's going to, consume the food and so what then a customer or a prospective customer does is they first decide okay what what size produce basket do i want because everything is built on the back of the fruits and the vegetables um for our service and so you have to have a produce basket in order to get anything else and so there's a lot of reasons for that um that are kind of core to what we're about but without going into that fully now um so you pick a basket size that's best for you and then you choose um you know you fill out your account information you set it up and then you choose okay when do I want to start receiving deliveries Um, and then what depending on the week and what's coming in most fresh from the farms your basket is going to by default look different every single week, but then you can go into your basket as we call it and customize your order and say, okay, I don't want the collard greens. Instead, I want to swap it for the head of broccoli, you know, might be an example here and now for next week. Um, or when strawberries are in season, I've got my basket coming. I like everything in it, but I want to add a couple extra pounds of strawberries on top, you know? So it, it is a, Um, you can customize your order to get exactly the produce you want coming to your house. And then we deliver it straight to your house. You have a set delivery day based on when our trucks are in your area. And then um, you can also then add on the other, we have a a lot longer list than we used to, but a lot of grocery items Because our goal is to, you know, not to be the full on grocery store and provide the stuff that uh, doesn't, Necessarily fit our brand of made locally, um, and but um, you can add those things on as well, and so then the participation just starts over each week if you want to customize your order and you can pick exactly what you want, or you can kind of set it and forget it and just say, hey, whatever they're bringing in from the farms this week, that's what um, I'm going to get, and. You know, and I'm gonna kind of, you know, live that way and be surprised by sort of the, the Christmas present showing up each each week. So um, you can skip at any time. So there's no cancellation fee, no sign-up fee, no skipping issue. Like you can make sure you're only getting food when you want to get it, and you only pay for it when it shows up. Um, so that was one of the key kind of differentiators from a standard CSA model when we first set up.
0: Sure, sure. Now, um, I looked over this post you guys had on your website here recently of your 2020 year in review, and I don't know if I mean obviously no, none of us knew what was about to hit us in 2020. But in just looking through that for you guys, I am sure you know at first with a global pandemic, you're wondering, okay, are people going to be hesitant to? have food delivered to them, you know, not knowing, you know, kind of the, the track it's been on, but it seems like things sort of went in the opposite direction and, you know, the word spread quickly. (laughs) I know you guys had already been in business for, you know, almost eight years at that time, but talk about 2020 and the pandemic and what that did for, for you guys business uh, and and what you had to do to sort of pivot and, and handle that demand.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, you know, such a unique, crazy year, obviously. Um, and, you know, for our business, we were blessed and fortunate to, to have it affect us in a way where demand increased. And we worked with worked with a lot of people and have seen a lot of um, friends that are in business that obviously had, um, you know, the opposite effect and so you know you're in the middle of like at the very beginning of this everybody's having questions obviously um and then for some folks demand increased, for others it decreased so that that was um you know we are obviously fully realizing that we were lucky blessed fortunate whatever word (laughs) you want to use um to be um, positioned where we were and it 's not like we were especially unique too that 's what i um, you know all things food delivery changed and um, so I hope we were doing a good job, and I hope we did a good job during that to keep customers happy um, but it 's not like fresh harvest was so unique and the only one uh, experience in this uptick but for for how it impacted us it was it was really it was big, um, for sure. And the first thing we saw was, um, a lot of signups all at once to the point where we're like, man, how are we going to handle this? Um, and so immediately in question is supply and making sure we can get enough produce. And then it's, uh, people man how are we going to get more people to pull this off and then it's space and building out coolers and more trucks and things like that that at the time you you're just making those decisions on a pretty short timeline without knowing to what degree it's gonna stick you know yeah like this is yeah at the time it was like man is i remember hearing some some expert or somebody say like when this first kind of set on and everybody was talking about man what is going on what's the effects of the pandemic all that um it's like oh this we really think this is probably going to last till the summer you know this isn't this isn't just a few week thing (laughs) And of course obviously looking back now it's a lot longer than that um so so at the time though we were wondering yeah is it going to stick because you have to you have to spend a lot of money to put the infrastructure in and hire people and be a reliable you know employer and all that kind of stuff um when when you're making these these decisions so that was probably the the most challenging part of the beginning and we just tried to um you know be be as wise as we could with the unknowns you know Um, yeah
0: yeah i saw what 870 new members in one week you guys had in in late march
1: yeah yeah so that was that was crazy, you know, because right after that probably was when we said, "Oh, dang, we can't, we can't say yes to everything," and that was hard. Yeah. Um, sure. Because, like I said, it's it's like this—you're pushing the ball up the hill for uh, years, and then obviously, when the ball starts rolling down the hill and you aren't having to to try hard for that part, then it can get away from you, and you can do some real dumb stuff. And and yeah. so we, um, you know, you can you can not provide great service and you can send people's produce that isn't you know as high quality and you can be stepping all over yourself and we were we were starting to do that so we had to put Hmm. a a wait list in place and um kind of put things on hold for a little while till we could get some some changes in place and get people on board and trained up
0: for sure well I think you know there comes a point where like you said, your, your brand is, you know, very tied into the product you guys are delivering. And if it becomes unsustainable to, to deliver that, like quality of product, you guys, your hand was sort of for, forced in that, you know, to a certain degree, but still, I mean, I'm looking at these numbers now, 168,804 baskets delivered in 2020. That's a lot of baskets. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> That's,
0: when no, you I'm started this well, thing, I mean, obviously we have big, big dreams, but 168,000 baskets, maybe even at the beginning of 2020, that would not have seemed like something that would, you know, even become close to being attain- attainable, I would imagine.
1: Oh yeah. No, I mean, when we first started, I remember the conversations about if we can get and a couple other people who are here now working at Fresh Harvest, we're here at this point. Um, we, we, I remember this. So so vividly. We were talking about if we can get to five hundred baskets a week, then we can be like, man, doing everything we want to do. And <laughs> um you know, and at the time we were doing two hundred and sixty and three hundred and twelve and three hundred and fifty eight and wondering if we could get to five hundred and, and all that kind of stuff, just amount of people getting an order each week. Um Yeah. And and so yeah, then you um you have kind of the the flip side of it and just put you in a different scenario, different, different challenges, you know, but obviously super thankful and grateful for, for that, you know, and one thing that's super cool and I I just would want to say is that was really neat is obviously the the demand of our customers is what directly affects the farmers and what Mm -hmm. they're growing. And so obviously they had anticipated growing a lot of stuff for restaurants and farmers markets and a lot of that got put on hold. So our customers, and we've said this to our customers, but I I would just want them to hear it as many times as possible. I mean, the fact that there was that demand on the fresh harvest customer side, um, stood in the gap, um, of where that food was going to go or more specifically where it wasn't going to go. Yeah. So, um, the, i mean just to speak generally like the the 100 of this or 200 of that that was going to be taken to the farmer's market next week or the next for the next month um that couldn't happen anymore and so uh, for for fresh harvest customers to jump in and be able to buy all that up that was one of the coolest stories of the year to me because it was just such a quick quick flip you know
0: yeah, without a doubt. And it's one of those scenarios where, you know, we talk we've talked with a lot of folks about the ups and downs of the pandemic and like sort of provision for local businesses in some cases is really hard to come by. So to hear about you're right, that is an incredible story of the year, just to go as a farmer to go from, man, this giant chunk of my business has literally just stopped to Mm -hmm. um, that being replaced with this demand um, in a platform that you guys are providing. It's cool that you were able to be the conduit for that. That's really cool stuff. Um, I want to make sure we touch on, before we let you go, Zach, uh, you guys, your team has obviously grown leaps and bounds since you started off with two of you in in 2012. I know it looks like um, 2020 was a big hiring year for you guys, but Mm -hmm. uh, talk about, sort of you guys hiring philosophy and, and where you're located. I know you guys, um, at, I don't know if you're, your home base is in Clarkston or, or if you have a lot of uh, your crew is from the Clarkston area, but that is such a unique place in Atlanta. Um, and the community there is, uh, is special in a lot of ways. And I would love for you to dive in to kind of how your business has interacted with with that community in Clarkston and, and your sort of values as far as um, hiring and, and providing sustainable jobs for folks in that, in that community.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we are fortunate enough to be, yeah, we're located in Clarkston. Um, mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, Clarkston's a refugee resettlement city. And so there's people from all over the world in Clarkston. Um, and just – personally for me um that's i also live here in Clarkston. that's just one of my favorite things it's the reason we mm. moved here um both business and and personal yeah. um and so to you know to be able to say we are you know we as fresh harvest are a representation of of Clarkston and we are hiring um, from Clarkson, therefore hiring people from all over the world has been has been one of the uh, you know just core values and, and key kind of desires for us from the beginning. Um, so as we grew, one of the one of the awesome things is we had g- great people already on staff who then you know rounded up their friends and family members and coworkers and or, or uh, previous coworkers at other jobs and things like that and uh they you know we had to hire pretty quickly and so we we brought people on quickly basically through a um you know just uh, other folks who work here referring their friends and bringing them in and if it was a good fit then moving forward so um that is one of our core desires is to fully represent Clarkston and then therefore the the world and the diversity represented um and so um you know, that's what makes working at Fresh Harvest really unique. I I hope our customers feel that we try to, um, you know, make that known in respectful ways. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a a really cool place to work from that perspective um, of just, you know, being around all different kinds of people. And obviously as the company grows and you hire more people that uh, diversity and uh, you know, really cool dynamic only increases and so um, we also too and this has been going on for a few years um, but we have a uh, space in Clarkston where we grow some of our own food the fresh harvest garden um, per se and so it's been really cool to be able to use that space um, to hire people um, and to uh, kind of reach out to the community as well um, and really connect with With folks um, through that too. So, yeah, that's been a a cool thing. That's something that obviously every basket that we deliver supports is, um, you know, reliable, um, hopefully desirable, really fun jobs here uh, in Fresh Harvest or in Clarkson at Fresh Harvest.
0: Yeah. Well, and the sort of the juxtaposition of this hyper-local focused business that also has the opportunity to, um, you know, provide, uh, you know, a permanent home for folks from all over the world is, is a, is a cool sort of, uh, you know, both ends of the spectrum thing that um, I'm sure keeps, keeps things exciting and and rewarding for you guys as well. Um, There's, there's also some, some really bad, like, planting roots puns that you know could be pulled yeah. out of that <laughs> that, for sure. for uh, that sure. situation but no awesome well I don't want to keep you much longer Zach but I do want to finish with the opportunity for you to just kind of talk to us about where you see this thing going from here what are your big dreams obviously you're fulfilling a big dream right now and in, in the growth that you guys have experienced and the work you're being able to do but where do you see Fresh Harvest five, ten years down the road? Road, if you if you even look at it that far, what are what are your dreams at this point?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, we do. Um, I think the the shorter version, like a, a this year, next year thing, is. I mean, we just hope um, to provide a service that's great enough for all the people who have tried it out over the past year. Obviously, our our core customers are not not only valuable ones, but our, our really awesome early adopter customers um, have, are used to this thing. They are bought into Fresh Harvest. They are our um, key supporters and have been for, for years. Um, but there's this whole idea of, man, can, can we stay local in our shopping? Um, and this is something that we're kind of in partnership with Georgia Organics um, about because it's been so impactful to see uh, the dollars spent on produce uh, be really just um, you know a lot of them have turned to support local farms local growers local suppliers um, and what I hope uh, is that for for everybody's uh, support that 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 stays that way so for for customers to reevaluate man we've done some really impactful things this year with our with our grocery budget um let's continue to be thoughtful in that way and the the model not fresh harvest specifically by any means but the local food movement that model um was the resilient one during um the pandemic and so man let's let's keep it resilient by continuing to invest in it and what i mean by invest is just think about where you're buying your carrots, you know, and that doesn't have to be from fresh harvest for sure, but I would highly recommend it be from the uh, local sources you have been supporting over the past year, you know, so that's huge. That's a big part of our, um, just hopes for the next year is to uh, keep people pumped about that.
0: Um, and beyond
1: that, honestly, like we, we really believe that, uh, local food and its impact is highest when it's geographically limited. And the more specific way to answer that is fresh harvest delivering to different parts of the Southeast or different parts of the country is not, is not what we're trying to do. Um, so we're trying to say, Hey, Atlanta and Georgia, where we are now, um, how do we just make this local food system, really great and resilient and dynamic and um, you know encourage more growers to start growing here and be a part one of their options for outlets that's really strong and reliable um, and and commit to keeping the food here selling as much of it to and getting it on as many plates here in the city and surrounding cities as we possibly can Um, now if somebody wants to copy that and go try to do it in you know wherever Birmingham or Colorado somewhere whatever for sure go for it um you know I would encourage that but f- for fresh harvest what we're trying to do is say hey we're we're from here we're for here and we're committed to um to being here and growing here and and thinking for how can we dynamically impact um soil here and the people here um and there's just so much work to be done that to to take our eye off the ball and and look elsewhere um that's just not our our desire and so um you know there's there's a lot of cool things that can come out of crop planning with farmers and being a reliable source for a new grower when they first start up and um and that's the the really fun stuff the tangible stuff and that's what um every basket is legitimately supporting and if you ever if anybody ever has any questions about that i would really encourage people to to just go to the farmer's market and talk to the growers that we work with um you know i could rattle off a bunch of them but they just uh you know are huge and we are very dependent on them to to be built the way we want to be built
0: well doubling down on the atl i love it
1: yeah absolutely man absolutely
0: keep Keep it up, my friend. It was great. Uh, it was great talking to you and hearing about, hearing about your business, all, uh, all the best of luck in the future. Love how you guys are sort of propping up, um, the community around you, uh, both from a employment standpoint and with, um, with these local farmers, if there's anything we can ever do to, to help, please don't hesitate to, uh, to reach out, but thanks so much.
1: Yeah, man. I love, thanks for having me. Love what y'all are doing. Um, this is a really cool thing, and spreading, spreading the word is, um, is a huge part of the job. So definitely appreciate what y'all are doing and very into it.
0: Thanks, Zach. Have a good one, man. We'll talk soon. Zach and his team are creating a local food system that supports organic farms, creates jobs for refugees, and reduces food and packaging waste. Head to freshharvestga.com to get started and support local Georgia farmers. Atlanta Born & Brand is a production of Connext Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at ConnextATL.com. Make sure to subscribe to Atlanta Born and & Brand and Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter, and you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe to our brand new Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see y'all soon.